welcome back to 10 10 10 to 10 10 10 the number one tintin podcast for drunken sailors and undersized urchins i'm your host Janusz. <laughs> i am your host sarah and this week uh we have our final guest of the series actually now that i think about it holy shit we have of course saved the best until last um who are you and wait that's not what i usually say would you like to introduce yourself yes my name is kat rufin i'm a cartoonist and i grew up reading tintin my whole childhood damn cartoonists i've heard of those um, <laughs> yeah uh, this week we are talking about flight 714 to sydney or 714 to sydney i don't know i've never said it out loud until this point, now yeah, that I think about it's like it. a Blink One Eighty Two situation. <laughs> Blink One Hundred and Eighty Two to Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just had to pause and be like, "Have I ever said Blink One Eighty Two in my head?" <laughs> Damn, having an existential crisis here. Um, yeah. Um, uh huh. Yeah, I know I just explained the like structure of the podcast, but I'm like, oh, what shall I do next? <laughs> so many possibilities. <laughs> so many possibilities. There's only two more episodes left of this podcast, so we might as well like try out some new stuff. I know, Perfect. like we'll 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 get it eventually. Um so yeah. uh Kat, thank I, I you very want, much. I, just, I was just gonna ask like Kat, because yes. like mm-hmm. you're you're a Tintin fan, right? You're not a newcomer yeah. to this. Uh, uh do you yes, have I'm any a fan. specific connections to this book in in particular like yeah so as a kid i for some reason i remember this as being one of my favorites Uh i thought the title was really mysterious because um the english version that i had it was just called flight 714 not flight 714 Mm. to sydney so it had this kind of mystique to it and i remember it being really funny but then when i reread it for the podcast i was like okay it starts off being really funny and then it just kind of becomes like yeah, it kind of becomes a whole different thing towards it, the second half. It's right? like really like slapsticky, but kind of dumb. And the yeah. whole it becomes a little uh, History Channel Ancient Aliens. Yeah. Um, <laughs> really does. Uh, so uh, it's not as good as I remember. Uh, <laughs> it's also the last Tintin comic that has Tintin wearing like the his like yeah. doublet pants. <laughs> Before yeah, I mentioned Tintin this in the at an earlier up. episode that Tintin is wearing jeans in the last book and sort of oh, freaked out. I thought that oh, was yeah. so weird. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> Terrifying. I looked, at, I looked at images today to like brace myself. Like I was just scrolling through the next book and it's so jarring. But we'll get there. Uh, they took his it's... fucking pants! <laughs> the aliens took his pants! Yeah. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's very funny that you, you, that you say that you remember this book as being funny. Uh... And then it turned out it's ancient alien shit because for me it's like, I, I, I also remember really liking this, but I remembered it more as I like this because of the mystery or because of the weird science stuff at the end. Yeah. And I completely forgot how funny it is, so. Yeah, because it, like, again, it, it's, like, not only does it become a completely different book and there's just, like, a guy who's like, hello, I'm, I know about aliens. But it's like the style, it's like as soon as they go underground, like 
the artistic style changes like and there's just like lava now and water now and caves now and clouds now and it's so much it just like departs reality completely and you're like uh cool it's just a really weird book like i i can't even i i I can't say if it's good but i was having a good time with it just because like what what it does feel different from other Tintin comics. Yeah. Because it's it's so like straightforward action adventure slapstick that it's it feels different from the other ones where there's like mystery yeah. and intrigue. This is just like goofy. It's it's also very like straightforward compared to some of Harjai's other plots. Like they got in a plane, the plane gets hijacked, they gotta like save like uh, escape from being kidnapped and leave the island like that's sort of it really yeah and then Hershey's like mm, no we need aliens in this now <laughs> yeah and, and uh, I, I think mean, he well, was right I guess I, yeah I mean <laughs> I, respe- I respect how much because here's the thing right if you look at the history section because I had Ooh, yes. like I had like a feeling I had mm-hmm. a feeling reading this comic and it's that Hershey doesn't give a shit anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see that. Um, and it says in the history section here, Hershey uh, began writing Flight 714 to Sydney four years after he ended his previous installment, the Castafiore Emirate. His enthusiasm for the adventures of Tintin had declined, and mm. instead his main interest was abstract art, both as a painter and a collector. Yeah. Um, he in- initially planned on titling his new story Special Flight for Adelaide, um, while working on the story, Hergé told English translator Michael Turner that I've fallen out of love with Tintin. I just can't bear to see him. <laughs> I want this twig obliterated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Like, it is kind of rote feeling. It feels like In- he's just like... he's He just, like, does whatever at this point, right? Like, it's just... It, it you know... We mentioned this with like the common the common like interpretation is that he did his most most personal story with Tintin in Tibet and he put like a lot mm-hmm. of I don't know he put like a lot of I guess emotion and like effort and stuff into that and then just completely lets loose after that and, uh, and you know if this this almost feels more of a deconstruction of what a Tintin comic is than the Castafiore Emerald felt which like mm. that was already like right like a very much like a you know. Seinfeld show about nothing concept where it's like yeah, <laughs> yeah. they're they're gonna stay at home instead and there's not gonna be like the mystery is not gonna be anything and yeah and in this one it's like the way the the way the villains are the way Rasta Populous is just Daffy Duck in this one right <laughs> like they're just like, yeah he's it's really good though I really like it it's so good right like I I this is the first time Rasta Populous has worked for me in all of these yeah. Yeah, when he's trying to crush the spider and he's like, Diavolo! It's <laughs> just like a funny... And it's like... And, but like the thing is, like, for being half-assed, or maybe not even half-assed, like, it's still really well done. It's still really well written. It's still really well drawn. Like, yeah. like I was noting, because there's like some scenes in there where it's like just dialogue. It's like whenever they take the like, confess your sins juice and they're confessing their sins. And it is basically one of those Hergé sequences that's just, like, so much text, so much, like, not much, like, visual interest, but, like, 
in this, I noticed that there is like significantly more visual interest than usual with like close ups and expressions. And I'm like, oh my God, like Hergé's finally like figured out how to do this. <laughs> um, just like we finally figured out how to podcast near yeah. the end. Uh, there's, there's a few more, few more Hergé quotes here. It says that uh, he wanted to do with Flight 714, he wanted to do a return to adventure with a capital A without really returning there. Um, he sought to provide answers to two questions. Are there other inhabited planets? And are there insiders who know it? Uh, solid yes for both of those. Absolutely. Thanks, my guy. Hergé had a long-standing interest in paranormal phenomena and believed that a story with such elements would appeal to the growing interest in the subject. He was particularly influenced by Robert Charou's Le, Li- Le Livre de Secret Trahi, which expounded the idea that extraterrestrials had influenced humanity during prehistory. <laughs> so... Yeah. Uh, mm, yeah mm, cool. This is like cool. a guy who wrote in. Uh, when did he write this? He wrote this in 1964. Yeah, so I guess. Yeah, I I very much noticed the publication did in the cover. Of this is uh, 1968. Yep. Yeah, this was. Castfiore Emerald was 1963, so this was five years after that, and he's gonna take another eight years for Tintin and the Picaros. Like, if if we say that he like stopped giving a shit about Tintin, right? Like, it also reflects in like the gaps he's taking at this point, because like mm-hmm. you know between. I'm just looking at other dates, right? There usually he took like two years for a comic, so like he finished yeah. one and then after a few months picked up on the next one, right? Like in this at this point, there's like actual hiatuses, hiatai. What's the plural of that? Hiatopities. <laughs> and he was being so overworked too, mm. uh, which it, it almost I'm like relieved that he's like slowing his pace down because you know he was just had this brutal amount of workload. He's like almost like Osamu Tezuka levels of workload. Yeah, like I'm just sort of like. It's like, especially now that he's presumably married to someone he actually likes, um, and probably has a life he might actually enjoy. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's found then, a new I'm, hobby with abstract art. Yeah, I'm happy for him. Which was mm-hmm. like the 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 uncompleted comic that he was gonna write after Tintin and the Picaros was gonna be about abstract art. So I guess that like just becomes yeah. a fascination for him. That yeah. He, yeah. Unfortunately, never compl- like never managed to like you know write a Tintin story about that. Yeah, I I am like I was reading up the Wikipedia page for that today, and I'm like, oh, actually, I'm, I don't know if we'll cover it in the podcast, but I would quite like to take a look into it. Yeah. Um. Do we have anything else to say overall about the book or Hershey in general? I think it might be good to like dive into it. Uh, cool. There's cool. some stuff about the airplane he placed it on. He based this airplane on, but who cares? Oh, the one that the, the wings <laughs> the, do funny is, yeah. moving. Yeah. If eh, you're one planes. of those like airplane fanatics, just like look on the, the Wikipedia page. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> listeners, if you're a plane sicko. Yeah. Um. All right. So, uh, this was flight seven one four to Sydney. Flight seven hundred and fourteen to Sydney. Who knows. Um, so the gang are on a plane to Sydney of all places. They're going to like a space conference, and so they've stopped off in Jakarta to refuel because like planes used to do that or something. Um, while they're in the airport, Haddock encounters this man who sort of appears to be this 
sad, depressed, destitute, homeless man, and he like extremely self-satisfyingly like slips mm-hmm. him up five dollar bill. His, um, he takes like one, two, three entire panels thinking about uh, how generous he was by uh, by giving him like he he imagines the whole a whole story about like this uh, a homeless person that just like having a tear in his eyes while like thanking him for the money that he gave him. Yeah, which like I see this and I'm like, okay, right? Who's this? This guy's coming back. Yeah. Uh, what's going to happen? And then, like later on, they mention like the millionaire who never never laughs, and you're like, ah, I know who that is. Um, <clears throat> also interesting to me that specifically it's a five dollar bill. Yeah. Like, I don't know how much that was worth. In- I, it might, that might be like a translation thing because I don't know if if like the French one. I don't know if he has like francs or or yeah. what. Yeah. I just thought it it was a weird translation choice. What does the art look like? I don't know. I can't. It kind of looks like a dollar. Like it's green and long. Yeah. It does look like I an American dollar, dollar bill. Yeah, maybe it was dollar in the French because if it's like international or whatever, like yeah. it's an international airport. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it, it says this... flight seven one four from London. So it it really I don't know take me out of it. Um... But yeah, so in while well, they're in Jakarta Airport, they meet Scoot, um, the classic is- character. Finally, I was so excited for him to return. We all remember Scoot. Yeah, he's back. <laughs> um, I did notice that he's not Estonian and not Estonian. <laughs> <laughs> so they finally figured that out, I guess. Um, but yeah, he tells them that he's now working for uh, Laszlo Caredas, aka the millionaire who never laughs. Um, and Scoot is like just there and nice, but he's got these. He's with these like really fucking shifty other pilots. Um, Caredas like comes over with his assistant, and it, it's drawn like a, there's a tall ginger man, and oh, he has that poor homeless man from earlier at his side. Um, so obviously Haddock like shakes the taller man's hand, but oh no, that's not the Les Laszlo Caredas. It's actually the guy we thought was really poor. Damn. <sighs> What if what looks were deceiving? Mm-hmm. What if you, uh, y- you shouldn't judge a, a, a book by its cover? Because maybe... Do you think this happened to, to, to Hergé that he gave someone money and it turned out they were rich? Oh, sorry. I thought, I thought, <laughs> I thought you meant like kind of in like a reverse, like a sort of Tony Hawk situation where like Hergé was oh somewhere like looking a bit disheveled and someone gave him some money. <laughs> that would be even funnier, and yeah. You don't, don't you like, know who I am? <laughs> Don't you know I'm internationally acclaimed uh, comics writer Hergé? Um, but yeah, so the fiver that had a sort of tried to slip Caredas earlier is like sticking out from under his hat, uh, and Calculus like goes and pulls it out, and this is extremely funny to Caredas. Um, this is the first time he left in a decade. Exactly. Yeah, he's just. Spends like three panels losing his shit. <laughs> but it's, it's such a low bar, right? Like, was he just like living the most dour life up to this point? If just like a simple, a simple close up magic trick is cracking him up? I mean, judging by his sort of the way he is and his personality, yeah. 
does kind of seem like literally everyone hates him, which honestly, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. And then he orders drinks. He's like, this is an occasion. Someone finally made me laugh. The, the Sunny Cola thing is so funny to me. Yeah. Yeah, overflowing with chlorophyll. <laughs> it's, it looks like it's some kind of mineral water. Yeah. And it's like, but like it is in the Coca-Cola font as well, which is really good. Yeah, yeah but it's like and, greenish. Yeah. Again, like, I'm wondering if this is like another like Hergé gripe thing where Hergé mm-hmm. was like, oh my God, sodas these days fucking suck. <laughs> yeah. Or like, because there's a bit like later on, because Haddock pours his Sunny Cola into a pot plant and then the plant dies <laughs> in like the background of page seven. It just, it's really good. Yeah. One of my favorite scenes was always the um, Professor Calculus demonstrating Savate. Yes! Which is like, you know, totally made up. It's like the little <laughs> panel of him doing a sick cake with all the shit flying out of his pockets yeah. is hands down my favorite panel in this entire book. I agree. Uh, which one? Uh, page seven, middle of page seven. Just... <gasps> Oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> like that. I I remember like nothing about this book really. Like I was, whenever I think about Flight Seven One Four, I'm like, yeah, are there aliens in that one? There might be aliens. Like the fact I can't really remember yeah. the aliens, but I remember this yeah, fucking the f- panel. Fucking the fact that none of us remembered that at the end of the book, Rastapopoulos is abducted abducted by aliens forever <laughs> by a real <laughs> flying saucer. Come back. <laughs> That, that that seems like a major plot point in like the in the meta narrative of Twin Tintin or whatever, right? Like, yeah, I am what I am imagining like a a, a universe in which like Hergé wrote maybe like you know two more books. Yeah, he lives until the two thousands, so he managed to write two more books, and like at some point, Rastapopoulos just like comes back and is with the aliens now. Yeah, yeah. One um, of the uh, one of the critics in the critical analysis section of the Wikipedia says that they compared it to uh, a Close Encounters of the Third Kind, uh, which came out yeah, like, I guess. 10 years later. Uh, and I guess Spielberg is a Tintin fan and he eventually goes on to make a Tintin movie. But like in, yeah. in Close Encounters, it's like the protagonist who in the end is like, pieces out and, fu- and like goes on the alien spaceship and leaves earth <laughs> this one is just like all the bad guys <laughs> yeah in close encounters the guy ends up meeting rastapopoulos yeah so yeah events like while they're sort of waiting for the play oh, oh another reward that uh Caritas gives them as well as some bottles of sunny cola is oh you guys are coming onto my plane <laughs> like i'm going to personally fly you to sydney like in in gratitude for making me laugh this for the first time in however many years yeah um so they're sort of transferring stuff between the plane. There's a bit where Tintin like overhears uh Caridas assistant like doing shifty stuff. Mm-hmm. Um note that like this the tall ginger man uh whose name is Spalding is like constantly sort of bullied by his employer. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I mean honestly he's kind of valid for playing yeah. against him. I I really enjoy the this character of Laszlo Caridas because he's such a piece of shit. Um, yeah. And and there's an RJ quote on this one too on the Wikipedia where he says, Yeah, I try to I try to make a character who like is technically on the good side, but he's he's awful. 
mm-hmm. and uh, he he says yeah he says um, I depart from the concept of good and bad. Carey is one of the goodies of the story. It does not matter that he is not an attractive personality. He's a cheat by nature. Um, and then he says uh, him and Rastapopoulos are uh, basically the same. A good example for small children: the rich and respected man who gives a lot to charity and the bandit in the same boat. That's not a very moral. Y- yep. Yeah, I thought uh, Laszlo Kuretis was an interesting character uh, for a long time because he's he's kind of like neutral. Like he is like definitely presented like as not a good guy because he cheats and he like just has such a dour personality. But yeah. he's not like the overarching villain. Like he's just like this weird guy that they all get tangled up with. Yeah. They just yeah. happen to be stuck with this, like, sneezing, like, just kind of pathetic little man. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, the this... whole... Because he's, like... A lot of Go what on. gets them into shit is that he's, like, obsessed with his hat. And he's like, where's oh, my hat? Yes. I have to have my hat. And, like, that sort of obsession winds them up, like, getting, like, nearly killed by lava. Getting, like, all this other, like, just little, like bits happening to them and it's just because he sucks and he's like "Mm, where's my hat (laughs) exactly yeah yeah i like that i like that it's a character that like tintin and the gang just happen to be protecting i guess or be on his side just because that's where they ended up in the story Mm, but like mm. you know he's you know he's not a villain as he does not do villainous stuff in the story right but but he's like, yeah, he's 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 just there. Mm. I, I I do like the bit where they like tie him up because he's being annoying. Yeah, <laughs> and gag him. I'm <laughs> just like, shut up. Um. So yeah, they get on the plane. Um. Kratos and Haddock play battleships. Um. Kratos is of course shooting at battleships. Um. But at some point, uh, Spalding hijacks the plane. Um. And then there are sort of several pages of. Plane hijacking antics. Um, Plane hijacking antics. Yeah, I'm just looking at these pages to see if there's anything <laughs> I want to cover in this. I mean, the, there's the there's the bit where where Caridas cheats at battleship. Um, I do like. I think it, the the bit where like because Tintin like notices that something is amogus, uh, shall we say, and like he sort of goes. Like and hide somewhere in the plane, and then whenever uh, Spalding hi- 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 like pulls a gun on everyone, is yeah. like behind him in a position of being able to do something, but then is of course everything is completely ruined by Kratos being yeah. like, hey, "Yes, Tintin, take away his gun," and like completely foils anything that could have happened. Which yeah, again, it's, like, <laughs> it's very funny. Hershey being like, "Hey, this guy sucks for five pages. This guy sucks." Uh, I I also just like really like the panel where like Spalding pulls the gun on them and everyone is like Spalding when it's like <laughs> it's just really funny because they do they do the same thing again where Rastapopoulos shows up where again everyone is like Rastapopoulos it's just it's just this very funny like reaction to like the obvious villain I guess in this case like yeah. we've known Spalding to be shifty all the time so it's just like pretty funny that they have this like surprise reaction yeah yeah Oh, then there's the bit where Caritas keeps trying to fire Spalding, and Spalding's yeah. like, okay, fuck off. Spalding's almost, like, not very good at this, because he's, like, he's like sweaty and nervous as he's, like, getting ready yeah. to hijack the plane, 
And then he's like, wait a minute, isn't someone missing? Uh, and then it's, it almost seems like the guy with the sunglasses is like kind of has to tell him what to do. He's like, all right, now we have to move on to stage two. And like, he's like, bravo, Spalding. You're, you're doing a good job. It's, it's almost like he's not really like behind the whole thing. He's kind of bad at it. Yeah. yeah, he's just like, hey, hey, you, you look, you look like you're drawn like an actual villain. How do I do this? Yeah, is this is this guy with the sunglasses like someone who's been in Tintin before? Like, or does, is he just a very familiar like? He just villain looks design? like he, he just looks, looks like familiar. every like Tintin henchman. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, henchman isn't the right word, but like the type of the type of like secondary villainous guy that shows up in Tintin comics that isn't like the main one. Yeah. And they're always drawn like this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the hijacking antics end where the plane like lands on an island. Um, there's like a whole bit where like the runway on the island is like too short for the plane to land on, but they yeah. manage to land anyway. They like crash a sailing boat on the way. Yeah, that was yeah. kind of funny. Where there's like, <laughs> I love where you see the the exclamation and the question marks coming from the plane and the yeah. ship. It's almost like they're talking to each other in yeah. that scene. Yeah, um, I, it would be. I would feel very fucked up if I was on a ship and the plane just like went through my sails. Yeah. yeah. Um. So they disembark the plane. Uh, there's like a sequence where Snowy like manages to run away and like gets shot at. Um. I also think Snowy like there's a Snowy death fake out in this book, where for like a while we are led to believe that Snowy has actually been shot and killed to death. Are we? Yeah, I didn't yeah. Pick up on that. I know there's a bit where like Haddock is like, "Oh, Tintin, I'm so sorry that you lost Snowy." And I'm like, "Wait, what? Do they think he's dead?" <laughs> um, but they disembark the plane, and who do they find? But Rastapopoulos. Rastapopoulos is him all along. Ah, it's me, dear boy. <laughs> and yeah, he's here. He's a he's a silly little guy. Um. He's just, again, we talked about, he's just, like, a funny, goofy, over-the-top villain. He's just a Looney Tunes guy in this book. Like, <laughs> yeah. I... Yeah. But it, it, I don't know. Like, w- one thing I've learned during during this podcast is that the Tintin villains are always the least interesting part of their book. Um, they're very nothing. So, so like, have them, have them be, like, these comedy guys in this book work so much better somehow. Yeah, because... Um, Sorry, go cut. Uh-huh. They they have to be like so clearly evil. Like you can't have any nuance in them. Like yeah. you have to be see kids. This guy, he's bad. He's really mm. bad. And so there's no like interest in them. Yeah, but I think part of what makes him good as well is because like Alan is here, and yeah. there's like Alan is here. There's also the like guy with the truth serum and stuff, and like he all has his like he's sort of bouncing off his henchmen and like they all just clearly seem to hate each other yeah in a <laughs> very funny very way they're incompetent uh but but like Rastapopoulos is the most like he's the one who suffers the most like I one thing I really enjoy like a, a visual gag I really enjoy is like how how worse for where Rastapopoulos looks as this comic goes <laughs> <laughs> and Alan loses all his teeth <laughs> yeah all his teeth. I really because there is like a <laughs> little bit of like a bit in this book where there's first of all there's like a bunch of 
quote, Sondonesian mm-hmm. um, natives who they've also like hired under the pretense that they're going to like help them with some kind of resolution or yeah. political like id, which is a lie, and they're just planning on just like killing them at the end. Um, which I mean, since this is a Tintin book, it is under like a very racist lens of like, oh, aren't these people like so stupid and easily deceived by the cleverer white man? Mm-hmm. Like, there's sort of enough of that in there to make it suck up to read a bit. Yeah. But also, it's very cathartic when Alan gets the shit beaten out of him by all yep. the Sondonesians. Um, so I, 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 I'll hand it to him there. Yeah. Um, this is where we have the bit like. It's 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 a really good like establishing this new Rastapopoulos uh, on on like the first page he shows up because he shows up as like as you know the evil the evil mastermind that we've known from the you know the arch villain of the Tintin comics uh, you know him uh, he's been here since our first episode yeah um, and immediately on the first panel he says the he says he does the spider thing that you mentioned earlier where he's like uh, I've got you all I, I, I will crush you like an insignificant spider and then he like fails to crush the spider and gets really mad yeah yeah um and yeah like he he ends up he waxes poetic about all his villainous plans which are basically I'm going to steal Laszlo Corrado's money I yeah. just I need to, needed to kidnap him and make him give me his bank details. Like that's literally it. He's just doing a little bit of fraud. Um, but he ends up like so fucking tying them up, marching them off to like this old bunker, and locking them up while he goes and interrogates uh, Caritas. Um, there's <laughs> there's then like a whole <laughs> sequence of like Tintin and Haddock and Calculus like in the bunker like planning their escape and. <laughs> Sorry, there's just a really good panel of like Tintin's teeth. Yes, he's like trying to grab the hat. It's so just like goofy and slapstick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. it's classic Hergé to the the like hat pulled down on someone's head and them being like annoyed by that. That's. I feel like this has happened to the Thompsons a lot. Um, you know, it makes me sad that in a comic set in modern times. Not much chance for hat hijinks because yeah. no one fucking wears hats anymore. Yeah, so much, so much wasted potential there, or lost potential, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, because like the this starts with like Ellen pulling the hat down on Haddock's face and him and Rastapopoulos having a laugh about that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they're like leading them into this. Je- Japanese bunker it says here or yeah. sometimes I'm not sure if because at another point they say Javanese so I don't know uh, yeah that's probably what they meant is. yeah um it looks like on page 23 there is like a mention where Tintin thinks that uh Snowy was killed okay yeah, yeah that's the point and then, he's yeah. like very sad about it he's he's he, I, I do think we should make this an emoji because it is just like sad face with single tear <laughs> yeah. just about a little doing. tear <laughs> Single tear. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we cut over to the bunker bunker where Rastopopoulos is interrogating Caritas, and he has some truth serum, um, which just turns out to be a Catholicism juice. Yeah. <laughs> um, this sequence, look, there is obviously nothing funny about, like, uh, 
forcing you know dragging someone right uh, very serious however this this sequence is very funny the sequence is really funny and, and again like this is the sequence where i was like oh finally how i figured out how to make like walls of text interesting yeah um and i think it's just because he makes really good use of just like rastapopoulos and caradus's faces it's so funny this, just, these close-ups are so... Yeah. I don't know. It's really good. What happens uh, here actually is um, he, he gets injected with truth theorem and Rastopoulos is like, tell me your bank account number. And Kyra just starts saying numbers, but then it turns out that every time like the numbers correspond to like a sinful thing he did in his life and he just yeah. like becomes obsessed with like explaining like how much of an awful person he is. <laughs> There's this great panel where uh, Ross Poppas is like, oh, I'm the devil incarnate. I'm the most evil man in the world. And then Laz was like, no, I'm the most evil man. Yeah. I'm yeah, so well, mean. They're like having an argument over like who's a worse person. Yeah. Yeah. Because what we should up- mention here is yes. what happens is that first they keep like injecting uh, Caredas with more and more truth serum. And then... Uh, and then uh, Rastapopoulos and the scient uh, and the evil doctor have a fight, and they, he, he he like accidentally injects him with truth serum. So yeah, yeah, um, that turn that 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 leads to now both of them being drugged and uh, fighting over who is more evil. Yeah, yeah, um, which again like leads to because eventually Tintin and Haddock uh, and I guess Calculus like manage to escape because Snowy comes back. He's not dead. Uh, chews through the ropes, and that they all sort of escape. Um, and like by the time they catch up to um, Rastapopoulos and Caradus, like they're both off their nut on confessional juice, and like now they have to deal with both of them, and they deal with both of them in like pretty much the same way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where they just like tie both of them up and gag them, and are like, "All right, guys, fucking let's go." Um, God, I'm just like seeing Rastapopoulos face here where he's like, because what the, the the thing, the thing the truth serum does is that it makes your eyes a lot wider. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> yeah. Like he has these, these like beady eyes. Otherwise, like he only has like the black dot, right? Oh, the yeah. He... It gives you whites to your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's almost like they're on cocaine because they're like real they're like chattering non-stop and but they're like just <laughs> confessing just every evil thing that they're like oh yeah well i did this and they're like mm-hmm. so excited yeah the facial expressions are just like on point throughout this whole book yeah yeah there's also oh there is also a callback to the sticking plaster bit from calculus affair yeah where they like use sticking plaster to tape their mouths shut and then like it gets stuck to Haddock and then there's again one of those great little sort of like panel cut betweens where Tintin is like oh my god like how long has it been and Haddock is like oh sorry I was just dealing with the sticking plaster <laughs> um classic uh, yeah yeah it's, it's it's this bit where I have to just like this uh this cut from um, from like after they after they like plastered uh, 
Rastapopoulos' mouth shut, and then Laszlo keeps screaming at them. And, like, just this cut from, like, him screaming, and then on the next panel, his his mouth also being tied uh, yeah. with the plaster is, is really funny. Yeah, yeah. That's... Ah, comics. <laughs> That's comics. Um, but yeah, so they're just like, you know, they've restrained them both, they're going to take them down the island and like onto like a fucking boat or a plane. I don't know, they have a plan with them and they're taking them somewhere. Um, there's some bits where, like, there's a bit of action, Alan is th- th- there for a bit, Arastapopoulos, like, first of all, tries to escape by, like, pretend- pretending to pass out. Yeah, he's, he's, he's doing, he's trying to escape in, once again, in the most Looney Tunes way, right? Yeah. And, you know, also in the very Looney Tunes way is the implication that uh, Haddock stuck a thorn up his uh, yeah. hole <laughs> to figure out that he wasn't a well-chosen spot. Oh. Again, com- com- combining that well-chosen spot, there's like the ouchy lines coming from his ass. And then on the previous page, fucking... Where was it? There was something Haddock said that I was like, I'm sorry, what? Oh, was yeah. it the part where he ties them up and he's like, I yes! can't help it, I'm a sailor, I love knots. Yes! <laughs> Page 30. Sorry, old man, but you know how a sailor has a passion for knots. I had to write that Hello? down because that was taken, that could be taken out of context so badly. <laughs> and the thing is, I'm sure someone has just like edited it into that panel. Um... I'm sure it's on Tumblr somewhere. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, just Haddock very erotic in these two pages. But um, Rastapopoulos' escape attempt, first escape attempt, fails. However, he does manage to run away when the gang get distracted by a lizard. This is a great lizard. This is a good lizard. <laughs> um, he hates to be here. Yeah. And the lizard is like sort of top of top of a pile of sort of growing things that have been weird about the island like yeah. calculus's pendulum is being fuckery like Haddock found a hole earlier that had weird shit in it so we're definitely clued into the fact that there's like something up with this island but like by this point they are too busy chasing Rastapopoulos and like getting into a shootout and stuff like that to really think about it um, yeah it's like basically like like, Haddock remarks that it's, like, it looks like an Ice Age creature, right? And then, like, they, like, keep meeting more, like, prehistoric animals, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. that's the implication, right? hmm So, who could tell where who that came from? Rastapopoulos is just, like, running away in the goofiest way. He boings <laughs> into a tree with the, the classic pit. sound effects and, like, the little stars. It's like, I don't know why, because I feel like, like, Harry could have done this in any other book, where just, he runs into a funny thing, but it's just, like, the panel where Alan sees Rastapopoulos running, yells, hey boss, and you just visually so much see that Rastapopoulos turns his head to look towards Alan and runs into a tree. Like, it's so well done. Mm -hmm. It's so funny, and I don't understand why. His boot is flying off. Yeah, uh. yeah. Maybe maybe doing all that abstract art has paid off because, like, I know there's a step up in how she's drawing. Yeah, there is. I think like the um, like all the effects of like the the screaming, like the 
lettering and the bubbles is like much more like I don't know how to say it, it just like captures like the emotions better and like uh, when all the characters have like the little stars and like swirls it mm. feels much more exaggerated in a really pleasing way yeah 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 because like I like I can't see any of this stuff happening in like the Black Island no. or whatever yeah. I mean, which, you know, in itself had some good, like, action stuff, but, like, this is another, this is level up. <laughs> yeah, it's a really good joke on this page, uh, on, on, on page uh, 37, where the boing happens, where uh, they, there's a speech bubble that says, just says, yeek! And then Tintin and Haddock are like, what a horrible shriek, blood curling, enough to make uh, your hair stand on end. And then we see that it's like Ellen pulling off the tape from Rastapopoulos' face. Yeah, yeah. It's really good. Um, so now we sort of come to the part of the book where Hedron takes a sharp left turn into ancient alien shit because they are in the middle of like a full-on like action movie type shootout. Tintin is like, you know, doing plans, coping with being shot at. And then uh, suddenly he is being a fucking telepathy at he hears a mysterious voice in the middle of his head that's like uh-huh. hey come this way and I'm sure it's uh, fine yeah he just mysteriously leads everyone into this cave and into the the weird part of the book mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's some bats there's some bats flying out uh, and then it's like yeah I because I was like when I got to this part I was like oh here we go because like the final panel of this page is like Tintin being in this mysterious cave and like suddenly it's like such a different vibe yeah. than, than all the drawings before. Because I really like because the, that little panel of like Tintin in the mysterious page, Tintin in the mysterious cave at the bottom of the page, like that's the last time we see Tintin in like two or three pages. Yeah. Like we just cut over to Alan being like, where have they gone? Where have they gone? How can we get them? And like, we don't know what's happened to him. And yeah. I'm like, oh, oh, spicy. This is good. Yeah, Alan has a classic... Uh, a classic, how do I get rid of this hand grenade that I just activated moment? Yeah, there's a whole great little couple of pages with uh, Alan and Rastapopoulos. They're just like the the classic, like, dumb villain duo. Yeah. Yeah. This uh, Alan is very good in this book. Yeah. Which he really hasn't been before. No. Like, especially I, mean, I was, the, I did the, not remember that Alan was gonna be, like, such a major Tintin villain. Like, he's, ma- he's, like, maybe the one who appeared most. Like, I feel like he might have appeared more even than Rastapopoulos. Because he... we Remember we read how he, like, retroactively appeared in, like, Cigars of the Pharaoh? Oh, yeah. Like, his original first introduction was fucking... Black Island? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I can't remember. I think it was Did Black it Island. Did I don't fucking know. Yeah, But then, like, whenever Hersha redrew Cigars, he put him in? Or one of the other yeah. earlier ones? It says, according to the wiki, the Tintin wiki, uh, Alan was, um, he reappeared in Red Sea Sharks, and that was the first time that he was collaborating with Rastapopoulos. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Interesting. Because, yeah. yeah, like, I definitely, like, in my mind, he was with Rastapopoulos in Cigars, but again, that's probably just because we are here at the end, and I've become used to seeing him with Rastapopoulos. Yeah. But either way, they're very good together in yeah. this. I want to shout out, like, the several injuries that Rastapopoulos is getting at this point. Cause, mm-hmm. like, first, Give us a tally. First, on, on, on page 30, 
6, where he's running away at first, uh, he, like, hides in this bush. Um, but Haddock also runs into a tree that somehow breaks his gun yeah. in two. So he's like, well, I don't need this piece of junk. He throws it away, and it lands on Rastapopoulos's head with a huge bonk. So he, he starts, from, from this point on, he has, like, a... What's Comedy it called? Bump. Ah, comedy bump on the head? Yeah, he has a bump on his head now. Uh, then he runs into the tree that makes the big boing sound. Um, then, of course, the painful pulling off the plastering tape. Mm-hmm. And then fucking... When Ellen has the hand grenade in his... Ellen has a hand grenade that he wants to... First wants to uh, throw into the cave where Tintin and the gang went into. But then he realizes that Rastapopoulos told him the... Uh, Caridas and the doctor need to be alive because uh, obviously you know he has to give his bank account number for uh, for his master plan <laughs> so he's <laughs> like what do I do with this hand grenade that I've already activated he throws it into like he just throws it away and it of course like blows up Rastapopoulos so now he's like all his clothes are torn um, yeah yeah and um, uh, he still has the bump on his head. Uh, we'll we'll keep track of that. <laughs> yeah, we sure will. Mm-hmm. Very important. And then I do swear, I swear to God, Rastapopoulos' nose has been getting bigger and bigger <laughs> throughout this comic. Because then on the next page, there's a bit where like Alan sees like a funny monkey with a really big nose, and is like, "Hmm, reminds me of someone." <laughs> <laughs> this is very funny. Yeah, this is just classic, classic comedy. It's very memorable. It's such a funny monkey. Yeah. I feel like I saw a picture of a proboscis monkey was like, ooh, I gotta bring Rastapopoulos back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> I have to set it in the, like, Southeast Asia for this little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, we finally, like, cut back into Inside the Cave... Um, where Tintin is still being guided by the mysterious voice towards this, like, big, weird-looking statue of, like, something that looks like an astronaut, and then there's, like, some paintings, engravings on the wall that look, like, literally, like, cartoon flying saucers and stuff. Um, Tintin is told to press the eye of the astronaut, which opens up a secret passage for them to go down. Yeah. Tintin, uh, Tintin gets cancelled here because he, because he... He has to remind us of the worst book in the series. He said it reminds me of that strange light in the Temple of the Sun. Oh no. God, fuck that book. God, fuck that book. <laughs> um, I mean, it, I mean, it attracts. It, it it's got similar, like, oh, Native yeah. peoples can't do anything. It must have been aliens kind of vibes. Mm. But listen, what else do we expect from her show? <laughs> yeah. Um, like, at this point... Everyone has been kind of like, Tintin, what the fuck are you doing? Like, how can you hear voices? What do you mean you hear voices? Um, and sort of Haddock is like sort of confronting him about that. And then like Haddock hears the voice <laughs> um, in his head. Um, which I just really like the panel where Haddock has all these exc- like question marks yeah. coming yeah, out of him. And like every expression. one of them is like a different I like font. I like that Tintin was like, when Tintin heard the voices, he's like, Okay, I guess this is happening. Um, I guess I follow the voices. Uh, and when it happens to Haddock, it completely freaks him out. <laughs> so 
Tintin is such a freak for this. Like, why like, doesn't this bother him? I just, He's, I think Tintin, because I think in this book, Hershey implies slash confirms that Tintin just, just straight up, like, has ESP. Yeah. Because, like, there's a bit where the, like, the funny little man who comes in, in, like, a page, like, talks to him via his alien telepathy, and, like, Tintin, like, talks back, which doesn't seem like people are supposed to be able to do. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, coupled with that and, like, you know, in Tintin in Tibet, where Tintin was having all these, like, prophetic dreams, like, I think Hershey is genuinely trying to imply that, like, Tintin has low-key psychic powers. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. He's been able to, like, escape death so many times and, like, he has these incredible feats of strength. It's yeah, just he's been what very lucky a couple of times, like when he just like falls di- directly into like a hay bale or stuff like that, you know. When you get bonked on the head that much, yeah, come on. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they they as I said before, they meet a funny little guy, um, who's just this well dressed. It's the guy from the Where Do You Work Out at the Library comic. That was, that was the, I thought the exact same thing. I was going to say exactly He's got like that. a big egg-shaped head. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like a, he's got like glasses with like a funny little antenna thing. Yeah. Clipped to he the side of a, him. He has an accent that is incredibly hard to read. I, it's like, I genuinely, like, is he supposed to be funny German? I think it's supposed to be Russian. Like it's called Kandrokitov. Um, according to the Wikipedia, it said that he was, um, his original name was like this Belgian pun. Uh-huh, it was, okay. it was like, uh, oh, uh, is Danitov. That's the, um, I guess his Belgian name, uh, is Danitov. It's like a Brussels dialect. So okay, I think okay. he's, and he's based on like, I think a Belgian, uh, writer, um, hmm. On paranormal topics, and Bershier uh, himself. Uh huh. Is it, he's he's not based on fucking Huffelbaum, is he? No, I don't think so. Okay, okay, because I was like, wait, the cryptozoology guy? No, I think it's I think it's different. I think Erge has uh, encountered different. He, he has dabbled in different like types of weirdos, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um. Hovelance is innocent. He doesn't. He's not responsible for their ancient aliens shit here. Yeah, he's only responsible for the Bigfoot shit. Yeah, which was good. Ah, uh, <laughs> love it. Um, so yeah, they also oh they find like calculus is wandering around down here. Um, I don't. He fucking I don't know pendulumed his way down here. I don't know. Um, and then this guy. Can you introduce- what this guy's deal is? Oh yeah, go on. Yeah, I'm sort of, sort of vaguely. I can't actually remember what I said, but yeah, he. This guy introduces himself as Mick Kandrokitov, um, who is he's like a famous space scientist, rocket scientist guy, um, and he introduces himself as like a initiate and like envoy to aliens who are very real, and like he's the guy that like engages with the aliens like on behalf of mankind. This is so fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This Why is, is there a guy who is a, <laughs> who is an envoy of the aliens? What is this like a common story trope? Like I don't remember seeing this. I I guess I don't know a lot of like 
speculative sci-fi it, uh, alien shit of that time. But like, is this like a common trope? Like, I feel like it feels like a 60s thing. Because like, it's not a thing I've heard of recently, but like... Right? Given its inclusion in this, and like the fact that Hershey mentioned it in like the wiki quotes, like I would assume that like it was a thing in yeah. the sixties. Um, but it's not something I've ever really seen before. I mean, it reminds me the only th- only thing closer that it reminds me is stuff like uh, stuff like the day the earth stood still. But 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 in that one, it was just like a regular human-looking man who happened to be an alien ambassador basically mm-hmm. uh, but he was he was actually an alien like he wasn't a human who was like the aliens communicator it just like yeah. yeah whereas like this guy is like a famous rocket scientist and this guy's like would you do this like would you if aliens visited you and would be like hey you want to be you want to work for us well like <laughs> you need a job my first concern is do the aliens have access to any kind of human currency that they can pay me in? Oh my god, they're gonna be paying you in crypto, that would suck. <laughs> yeah, definitely turn that down. <laughs> oh, fucking humanity misses out on the chance to achieve like genuine first contact because the aliens turn up and they turn out to be crypto guys. And yeah, we're all do just you like, want nah. this apes NFT? For our services. <laughs> They're like, oh, it's the higher form now. We all trade in crypto. And I'm like, yeah, no thanks. <laughs> uh, hard pass. Oh, the tragedy of we discover that extraterrestrial life is real and then we immediately have to cancel it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, they're, um, they're gonna they're gonna be like uh, we heard of your uh, your Earth scientists Elon Musk he's so cool no, no! the aliens are cringe <laughs> the aliens are cringe um so yeah who guess who else is cringe it's fucking Laszlo Caritas because he sort of finally stopped being uh, uh, c- confessionalized. So the truth serum has worn off, um, and they sort of take his uh, sticking plaster restraints off, and he immediately starts being incredibly annoying again. Um, so it's at this point that we find out that the alien technology not only could it like do telepathy, but it also can like hypnotize people, um, because uh, Kanrokitov hypnotizes Karedas into believing that he has his hat on. Fantastic. Um, there is, I really like the sort of close up on the eyes panel of them doing the hypnotizing. Yeah. Um, there's some great visual comedy coming from the, uh, Kare that's thinking he has a hat on his head when, when there's nothing. Like, mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. His, his eyebrows, like how happy his face is when he's putting it on. <laughs> yeah. 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 He's like, he gotta put, gotta put it on like just right. I don't. We haven't mentioned it, but he has the craziest eyebrows. Oh, absolutely! Fucking One Piece tear shit. Yeah. Probably. I don't know. I haven't read One Piece. Same. Yet. Um. God. <laughs> Listen, I, Max started, I, and now yeah, I feel I, 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 I was gonna say I've seen Max has gotten on the, uh, on the One Piece, uh, train. I I have I been think tempted. It's a boat, actually, uh, sorry. So you know. 
Yeah, I was gonna do it when I start work, but I haven't started work yet. Yeah. Anyway, I have acquired the very legal manga app, and now I'm like, well, I can read it wherever I am. So. Outside, Alan and Rastapopoulos have found the astronaut statue, but they can't find out how to open the secret passage, so they just decide to blow it up. Um, Great shit. Yeah, Alan goes out to like get all the explosives, uh, and then when he comes back, he's had the shit beaten <laughs> out of him uh, by the Sundanesians. It's great. Wonderful. Um, Alan ruins uh, Laszlo's hat, which is, yeah. uh, you know, this incredibly valuable, shitty-looking hat. That it's a shitty looking hat. Yeah. Um, so we cut back to inside, and there is a bit inside which is payoff for the incredible like calculus and martial arts bit, where Caradus is like rude to calculus and like knocks his hat off, and calculus beats the shit out of him. Yeah. Like, Just outside of panel. I love how he's like red, and they have to like hold him back, and he's like. Like, I just want to, like, zoom into his face. It's incredible. It's so good. It's, yeah. The sounds he, the sounds he makes while beating him are, are bit flap, buff, 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 buff. <laughs> flap, flop. flap, flop, flap, buff, buff. Yeah, for someone so mild-mannered, like, Professor Calculus seems to have, like, a few berserk buttons. Like, I think one yeah. of them, I recall, is, like, being called a goat. Yeah. Yep. 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 That's a classic one. Yeah. I think that might have come up like somewhere early in this, where like it happens in this book. Yeah. Yeah. Like Haddock mentions a goat and is like, "Oh, no, I didn't say anything actually." Uh, blah, blah, blah. Like, <laughs> uh, I can't remember where it is, but I somewhere. Um. Bu- 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 but yeah, so there is around this point like an earthquake, mm-hmm. um, sort of establishing that the island is a little bit unstable. Yeah, Rastapopoulos head watch. Uh, he at this oh, point, yeah. I'm just I'm just noticing his monocle is also gone now, uh, but it has like left a mark on his eye, so that's great. Uh, and he's at this point he notices that his bump is gone, so he's like, <laughs> oh, finally I'm healing. Uh, my luck is changing. Nature's healing. As the earthquake happens, he gets bonked in the head immediately again. He has another bump. Um, the more things change, the more they say the same. Yeah. Um, he says, "What have I done to deserve all this? Me who'd never harm a fly." <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, they they set up the explosives, um, and sort of meanwhile, like Tintin mm-hmm. and sort of the rest of the gang, including like Scoot and Yay, the- Scoot is here. I missed him. I was really worried. What's going on with Scoot? Yeah, this, this, I don't know. You know, okay. You know who I was worried about was the funny Italian waiter from. Oh, the I know. Me too. Who is just here for like no reason, and he's yeah, just me, uh, friendly. When this, when this Italian waiter first showed up, I was like, oh, I'm sure he's a shady guy or he's gonna be one of the villains. But no, he's just Italian. I just, just love that he says "Mamma Mia" a whole bunch. Yeah. Uh, listen, Hergé has like I think expunged himself of all the anti-Italian racism inside him. Yeah. He's just he's just normal now. There's really, he has a lot of Italians now that I think about it. He loves a funny Italy. Yeah. Because it's funny. European moment. Yeah. Hashtag little European things. Um, Ellen looks so bad with his teeth out. Like, like usually... He just becomes like the sad shadow of himself. I know, it's so pathetic. Like, usually whenever I see 
either Hege or like the translators subsequently like doing a funny accent voice. Yeah. Like you know, like the weird Russian question mark question mark Very German bad. accent that impossible uh, to read. Yeah, like hate that. Especially because he like explains the plot. Yeah, and you're like having to read it to know what's going on and yeah. you just don't want to. Yeah. But like whenever whenever like it's like because Alan has like no teeth and now he's like buff, I lost my teeth. to me, buff. You almost want to read it out loud. It's so yeah. funny. And then Rastopopolis is like, stop that baby talk. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Rastopopolis, I'm going to blow up the statues. I wash my teeth. <laughs> my teeth. <laughs> Who do you think gave you the teeth? <laughs> yep. So yeah, they eventually managed to blow up the statue and set off a big explosion. Which of course completely destabilizes the island and now there's lava everywhere. And honestly, Herge just kinda goes sicko mode with the art style for the rest yeah. of the book. Yeah. It's very it's visually just incredible. Yeah. One of the this is so weird, because in the one of the criticisms this book got is that the art is overdone. Like, it's such a weird criticism to me. Come on. It says, he also, like, Michael Farr uh, suggested that Flight 714 represented the most far-fetched adventure in the series. He also criticized the artwork, suggesting that as a result of its reliance on the artists of Studio Hergé, it contained, quote-unquote, excesses not present in earlier volumes. I don't know, it just looks Which good. Which fucking rules? Yeah, it's good. Uh, Even more excessive. I don't know. It's a visual medium. Yeah, yeah. I like the shapes that he gets with like the clouds and the lava. You know, it is like a little bit abstract, but yeah, yeah. it's it's really interesting. And yeah. like, I think now that I'm like reading this kind of like last third of the book, I, I kind of do appreciate like this very simple chase, like get out of the volcano scene because it's just classic like action adventure like indiana jones type stuff um and of course you have like the slapstick comedy like you have like laszlo has like his coat is on fire and he's complaining mm-hmm. about his stupid hat yeah that's like the bit where like a raindrop falls on his head and he's like but but i've got my hat on wait a second that's not my hat i'm like just that's it's funny. Yeah, that's, that's all I have to say. <laughs> yeah, like it's good. I'm this. I really like the bit where like Captain Haddock like falls into lava but manages to like catch on to like a stalagmite yeah. and sort of shimmy away. And we know that we know from cartoons that if you like if you touch fire, you're you're able to like fly for a very short moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, so just a few pages of all the lava is just good and nice to see. So yeah, you know yeah, what else th- is 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 good and nice to see is just this panel on page fifty five where Rastapopoulos is running away from the lava. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, it's amazing. He has a really good dynamic run here. Yeah, <laughs> great form. Um, so like the the place that they are like escaping from the lava to is basically Kanrokotov is like all right guys there's a alien spaceship parked outside like we got to go get on it essentially like they are going to meet up with the aliens Can't to, to get on them. the spaceship 
Hello? This is gonna be so awesome to remember back to this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, side note, while, while they are, like, escaping, uh, Calculus, like, finds a cool thing on the ground and, like, pauses to pick it up, uh, which means that, like, Tintin has to go back and get him and whatever it is he picked up. Um... Which is when we kind of get the bit where Kanrokotov is like, oh no, like Tintin's gone. I, I will telepathically message him mm-hmm. to tell him to come back. And then like that's when Tintin like messages back. Um, <laughs> I so really funny. like... He messages that... back like something very rude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Such a polite boy, I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Such a, he's very polite. I will make an exception. Um... So yeah, they they are now out of the volcano. There's like a bit with a lake. I fucking love the panel of Snowy running around, excited to be outside. Yeah, yeah. And he's just gonna go swimming. He was coming for a midnight bath. Yeah. Like again, Hergé. So the the opposite of Hirohiko Araki. So good at drawing dogs. So good at capturing like dog (laughs) behaviors and how dogs be. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Snowy splashes into a lake. The lake then starts just draining like a big sink. Normal. Um, yeah, normal lake behavior. That's what lakes do. Yeah. Um, and you know, once Tintin has Snowy rescued, like all of the water in the lake just explodes into the sky in again like another <laughs> incredibly like sound effect panel. Um, Tintin at this point does like fucking. Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible behavior. Like, he just has to, like, has to just, like, fearlessly goes into, like, rescuing everyone, like, carrying fucking calculus at first, then, like, jumping in for, for Snowy immediately. Like, he's, he's so overworking here. Yeah. I thought you were going to say Tom Cruise behavior in the sense that there's all these explosions. Yeah. In the book series. And I was like, oh, yes, the Michael Bay of Tintin book. <laughs> yeah. It is a little bit like that, yeah. It really is, yeah. Um, but yeah, now that all the like water has exploded out of the lake, it is in the air, which means it is very foggy. There are a lot of clouds. So when the literal alien spaceship arrives, it is completely hidden by fog cover, and all we can see is a mysterious ladder descending from the clouds. Um, this is insane. Yeah. So they get, they just get hypnotized. By Kanrokotov to climb the ladder and go onto the alien spaceship. Um, but he tells it before, like he he tells them that oh, don't worry, you're gonna be on an, on on a flying saucer, but you're gonna forget all of it because I'm gonna hypnotize you. You don't have a choice in this. Yep. He like he doesn't even wait to see what they say. He just like yeah. Haddock starts being like, no, never, I would, uh, uh, yeah, this way, and yeah. Um, there's again. Back at it again with the great like psychedelic panels, uh, with the hypnotism of Mr. Caradus and Scoot. Yeah, yeah, that, that um, is really well done. It is interesting that like that he only draws the like hypnotization of the sort of two characters that we don't really care about. So sorry, <laughs> that we care about deeply in the case of Scoot. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand yeah, I want that to see. decision. <laughs> I'm glad to see, uh, finally getting to see Scoot's mind palace of (laughs) flying pilot stuff. All the controls, endlessly. I mean, to be fair, like, I think if if you went into, like, my weird hypnotism mind Mm -hmm. palace, it would just be, like, a bunch of sewing machines. Yeah. Um, 
sewing machines and like podcasting equipment. Yeah. That's all that's in my mind. Um, but yeah, they we do see like a tiny little flying saucer like woo, 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 into the sky. Um, yeah. And we sort of pan down to the, the there's like a, a boat thingy. I have a, uh, one final RJ information here on the flying saucer because it says uh, he turned to his collection for a photograph of a flying saucer that he used as the basis for the extraterrestrial spacecraft depicted in the story. Later, RJ regretted explicitly depicting the alien spacecraft at the end of the story, although was unsure how he could have ended the story without it. <laughs> I mean, Which he I did a pretty a good job. Like covering it in fog, yeah. so he didn't have to draw it in detail. It's also glowing, which is a really nice touch. Like I don't know technically how they achieved that, but like that is just like such a uh, perfect little addition to have it glow. Yeah. Does the, do the aliens like talk? Because there are the occasional like little speech bubbles coming from the flying saucer, but like is that? Um... No, that's the professor. Yeah, okay, that's okay. kind of rocket off. He is like addressing the aliens. Like he does say chief pilot, like he's talking to an alien. Oh, I know. Is yeah, it? yeah. That is really cool. Um But yeah, there's like so there's a little dinghy with with uh Rastapopoulos and Spalding and all that all those gang that the aliens spaceship like sees and they come down and lower the ladder, and uh, Rastapopoulos and his entire crew just climbs up onto the alien spaceship. And then Haddock and Tintin and all their gang climb down into the little dinghy. Mm-hmm. And the aliens fly away. Uh, just say adieu, and they're gone, and they have Ellen and Rastapopoulos on board of this flying saucer. I want to know so bad. Like, yeah, me too. This is the one. <laughs> This is the one fanfic I actually want to read. Is like what happens to Rastapopoulos and uh, Alan after they're like on this alien spaceship. Yeah, yeah. You see, Hershey's never going to write it because he doesn't want to depict the aliens. So we have to. Yeah. We have to invent like the Tintin aliens, what they look like and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. I think it would be. Especially with this, with this like comedy Rasta populace, like just like so many shenanigans, probably. Oh my god, he could get there. so mad at the aliens. Yeah, they could like hypnotize him to do funny shit. <laughs> oh my god, and Alan today. Oh my god. But what what do you think they're doing with them? Like, are they just taking them like on on a different planet? Are they just like killing them? Are they making them like work for them? Like what? Just I don't. I like. I don't even know if I want to see Rastapopoulos on the alien spaceship. I just want to see like the potential, like two or three books later, Tintin comic when like Rastapopoulos yeah. enters the story and like he's just like either maybe he's like really nice now. He's been like brainwashed into being just like the best man ever. Oh maybe he's like they they like yeah they like got... hypnotize him and they're like yeah. oh you will be a good person. You will you know give all your money away. Yeah, yeah, and then, you know, he's trying to do these incredible, like, charitable, world-changing, like, he's dismantling capitalism, and then Tintin is like, oh my god, <laughs> I have to stop Rastapopoulos from dismantling capitalism. <laughs> oh, Tintin's the villain now! Oh, how the tables have turned. <laughs> no, Tintin. What have you done? Um, the mind reels. Um, 
But the book ends with uh, Tintin and the gang. They're in the little, like, uh, yellow dinghy. They get rescued a few days later by a plane, and then, or a few hours later by a plane, and then we cut to a few days later, uh, where Jolly on Wag, classic character, and his horrible family are watching <laughs> good old black and white TV and who should appear yeah, on the they don't TV? Have, uh, they don't have calculus yeah. special colour TV yet. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, there is an interview on TV with a Mr. Caritas and the other people who got mysteriously rescued from the middle of the sea um, and they all have amnesia. It's very mysterious and they're all sort of talking about their experiences and what they remember or don't remember happening. Really good joke on this page where they they're yeah. asking uh, they're yeah. asking Caradas about uh, so yeah so so what happened uh, and th- what about the needle marks found on your arm? It seems that your companions didn't have these, and then he he answers naturally, naturally I'm richer than they are. It's such a good joke. Um, and yeah, like Scoot and Haddock and Tintin are like, yeah, I sort of vaguely remember some lava, but not much else. Um, but Professor Calculus, on the other hand, has with him a special little fucking golf tee looking like thing, um, which he sort of definitively explains that he has concluded scientifically that the only place that this metal could have come from is outer space. Um, and it's like the whole time the TV sequence in black and white is intercut with Jolly on Wag, like sort of scoffing and goofing he and being like oh. oh he's a crazy old guy um but then sort of at the point that like calculus like finishes his explanation and like fucking seemingly proves the aliens are real like jolly on wags little remarks dry up um and he's just sitting there in silence like oh aliens are real <laughs> i guess um we also find out the like the truth serum doctor guy like got dropped off at Cairo, but not Rastapopoulos who's still with the aliens. <laughs> yeah. Was Snowy hypnotized? Because Snowy has the scene where he's like, I could tell them a thing or two, but no one would believe me. I guess Snowy wasn't hypnotized. Nope. I guess that's yeah. the implication here. Because he's a dog, he can't like just like talk to them. So it's like Snowy has all the secrets. Snowy knows what the aliens look like confirmed oh my god and yeah that's the sort of final little nugget of gotcha that this book has for us um yeah and it says on the final final panel it says uh at the end of the day the troop flight 714 to sydney was the friends we made along the way (laughs) was the aliens that hypnotized us and made us forget the friends we made along the way so the final message of Tintin. Aliens are real. We believe in and them. They, aliens are real and they don't hypnotize dogs. Yep. Yep. We did it, gamers. Mm-hmm. I, had, I had a great time. Like, Yeah. Again, don't, I don't know if this book is good. I think it might be good because yeah. I had a great time. It says... It says, although the artwork has been not for its high level, the detail, critical reception has been mixed to negative with its narrative being criticized by commentators for the farcical portrayal of its antagonists and for leaving its central mystery unresolved. And I'm like... What do you mean central mystery unresolved? Aliens are real! (laughs) Yeah. Aliens are real and also, like, criticized for the farcical portrayal. Like, do you not know how to have fun? Yeah, that's the best part. It is, yeah. 
I think the fact that like it ends with all the villains being portrayed as these like harmless goofballs uh, is actually like a really nice way to wrap up the whole Tintin story. You just yeah. you just end with everyone like laughing and like tripping over each other and just kind of like, I guess, flanderize to be like the most ridiculous version of themselves is really charming. Yeah, if this had gone on for like five more books, you know, I would get if if people were like, "Oh, Tintin has fallen off," you know, it's not the same. It's it's like, but for like one book, it works really, really well. Yeah, like if the thing that you're reading Tintin for, and like the thing you really like about Tintin is like, it's like if the thing you're reading Tintin for is like the biting political commentary mm-hmm. of the Blue Lotus, and like, oh, the like hyper realistic portrayal of like the Japanese invasion of mainland China in 1936. Like, yeah, yeah, you probably are going to think that this is silly and stupid. But, like, fucking go read Blue Lotus. <laughs> like, this is good in what it is. It is yeah. what it is. And it, what it is is good. Yeah, those Tintin books you're looking for, they're already out there. Yeah, my favorite part of Tintin as a whole was always, like, just the Captain Haddock, the, the visual gags, uh, yeah. Captain Haddock shouting at people, and just like the interactions between all the wacky characters and the way they're drawn too, like you have all these like everyone has such a unique, funny looking face. Like you have, the, you know, the Italian guy. He has like a very exaggerated face. You have like Ken Rockatoff and Restopopoulos. Like you just end up like laughing at how the faces are drawn. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Yeah, the Hershey is good at making a, like a distinctive face design. Like Alan yeah. is always recognizable. Yeah, and aside from that, right? Like fucking, I think, you know, I think the calculus affair is still the one has that has like the best balance of like slapstick and plot uh, mm. and action stuff, right? At this point, this one, th- this one almost has like a nihilistic feeling. Where it's like yeah. the complete like the mm. the disinterest in like making the type of Tintin book like every is disinterest in making the type of Tintin books that his readers want I guess right like and yeah. and, and 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 even the thing about like I really like that the villains just end up being abducted by aliens forever like that's such a that's such a bold move right like it's yeah. such a it's such a I I, I like when a when an author takes like a really wide swing, <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I, I think, I think, I think it works really well. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, because I guess like leaving behind like meticulous research and just being like, ah, oh, aliens are real. Yeah. Like it just he it lets him have fun. Um, and like you know, much as I enjoy when Hershey does like a meticulous research. And tries to be political. It usually ends up with him just being a little bit racist, um, yeah. which which sours it for me. So I'm like, no, that this is this is I prefer this. Yeah, yeah, me too. You know, you want to see him. I mean, at this point, he wasn't having fun drawing it, but you still want to see him have fun uh, with these characters. Yeah, yeah. Um. So I think I would give it a five out of five. Yeah, I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it. I would yeah. give it like maybe a four out of five. Just take one star yeah. down for like the the aliens bit, 
the ancient aliens thing and some of the I don't know some of like the stuff in the middle kind of was less exciting like the beginning and the end of it I think are the best parts yeah yeah it does sort of when they're just constantly sort of running around an island trying to go places it is a little bit like yeah yeah no maybe four yeah. stars four and a half yeah. you know yeah four yeah yeah I guess four and a half I, I say see I only say five because I'm looking at our list yeah, and it's like we've given like Blue Lotus five out of five. We gave Castle Fiore five yeah. out of five. We gave Seven Crystal Balls five out of five. And I'm like, I might rank this book above this. Uh, well, but well, I also think would you I would only this? give it like four stars because, like, I yeah, I don't know. But if I look at, I, if I look at like ranking one to seven, uh, like from the Calculus Affair down to the Castle Fiore Emerald, that's those are all really good. And then mm. starting from Seven Crystal Balls downwards, those are the ones that are like, okay, there's like a, mm. there's like a, I don't know, step down, I guess. Like as. So would we put this between Seven Crystal Balls and Red Rackham's Treasure? I think it's better than Seven Crystal Balls for sure. Okay. Better than Custom Because Seven Emerald? Crystal Balls had the, led into the world into temple of the sun yeah so seven crystal been, balls like, really fucking spoiled itself by opening the door mm, to the most racist yeah that's unfortunate i think we might wanna like once we finished all the books we yeah, might wanna we... like readjust our final ranking it's like in mario kart where you finish the race and then you like adjust for how many coins you got but like for this <laughs> we like adjust the rankings based on how many racisms it did yeah <laughs> um <laughs> i would put this maybe like under castafiori emerald yeah. I mean, cool. you just said you like it more than Castafiore Emerald, though. So, I don't know. Shit, did I? Damn. I could do, like, a 10-10 tier ranking. <sighs> okay. I'll put, I would have put it above Castafiore Emerald, because then it's just under Blue Lotus. And I quite like, because it's so antithetical to everything Blue yeah. Lotus was, I would like to have them beside each other. Yeah. Mm, yeah, I see that. Yeah, I mean, I think there, it's, I think this one, Castafiore Emerald, are, like, about as good. Uh, so I can go either way. But I'm um, still only giving it 4.5 out of 5. Well, we gave Castafiore Emerald a 5, though. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Problem. <laughs> we only gave Tintin in Tibet 4.5, and it's ranked 3. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. I might... Whatever, we'll discuss this. We, I might we wanna, will I might want to put this extensively above Tintin in Tibet if we remove the ranking. But we'll, we'll discuss later. Yeah. Um, for now, I'll put this at seven, uh, which which is fitting because it is flight seven one four. So oh, nice, it's cool. Um, I'm gonna give cool. it a seven one four out of eight hundred. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, sure, 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 sure. Um, all right. Um, cat. Yes. Thank you for coming on our little podcast. Oh, it was my pleasure. Um, where can people find you and your comics on the internet? Uh, yes, yeah, so I'm on Instagram at, at Fairy Warrior Cat. And um, if you just Google my name, um, Catalina, R-U-F-I-N, you can find my website, which has lots of my comics you can read. Um, I will say like my art style definitely has like a little bit of Tintin, like the clear line, the very yeah. square grid. And I like to use lots of like bright colors in that way. So yeah, definitely like a big influence on me. Yeah, I I definitely like I 
have always kind of seen your comics and sort of made that connection in my mind. Like mm-hmm. I like to see it. I like to see them. Oh, um, one one other thing, mm-hmm. just like a little quick, is like I think the way that Hergé does like close ups of hands, like where they're like close up and they're holding like a letter or something. That was something yeah. I always did in my comics too. It's like so close where you could see like the details of like the fingernails and stuff. It's just like, oh, that's so good. I always yeah. like do that in my comics too, inspired yeah. by Hergé. Fantastic. Hey, did Love we actually because I know we asked you your if you have a particular relationship to this book, but I don't think we actually went over your relationship to Tintin in general. Yeah, well, in general, um, like my parents were pretty big fans, um, especially my dad, because he grew up in Spain and just all of Europe just loves Tintin. Um, Mm -hmm. So I pretty much like, you know, from when I was very little, I had the books available to read. And, you know, when I was like younger, I appreciated the gag humor. Um, And then when I was older, I appreciated the art style a lot. Um, and I had this, like, obsession <laughs> with Captain Haddock. He was just the best character. Uh, I think sure other people on this podcast have said that ranging from, like, crush to, like, very keen interest, he really is uh, one of the best characters in comics. Yeah. I'm a yeah. Captain Haddock stan. Stan Captain Haddock. <laughs> yes, all the yeah. way. Except for when he's racist. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, then yeah, that's a problem of of his. He's he's a little problematic. Yeah, <laughs> problematic fave. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Problematic fave. <clears throat> and uh, his alcoholism is is also like concerning. Yeah, I still I'm still sad that we were like, oh, we're gonna get Roy on for like whenever Captain Haddock is yeah. introduced, and then he just like sucks kind of shit <laughs> in that book. Yeah, all he does is drink and ruin everything yeah we had to be like oh he's 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 gonna get better come on roy (laughs) we can fix him (laughs) um all right okay Um, i want to shout out uh yes sicko and what is gonna return very soon with uh can you tell us with with season two on yahoo series um can you give us a little hint on on your subject matter? Oh, I I just said Yahoo Serious. Is that a name of a person? Yes, <laughs> it's a guy. He's Australian, um, which I guess is fitting for this comic. Uh, he's a damn. He's I'm a guy from at, Australia guy. who made three movies and then completely disappeared. Like, which was it is? He has like not shown himself in the public eye in like twenty years. Oh yeah, so, that's really his name. <laughs> yeah, Th- that sure. I don't. I'm not sure if he legally changed his name to that, but I could see it. It. it Google says he legally changed his name to Yahoo Serious in 1980 before his sudden fame. Wonderful. <laughs> it does say legally. <laughs> really, it's the joke of <laughs> Yahoo Serious. Yahoo. Legal. Wow. Okay, this is incredible. I'm looking you forward to, to that. To yeah. That. Yeah. Um. Uh, and yeah. I have another project that might be out by the time. Uh, uh, this episode is out. Uh, I am starting another podcast with. Uh, well, I, I was like, this is Tintin is ending soon, so I might as Fair. well uh, do another thing. It's a monthly podcast, so uh, uh, it's called Herzog, F- Herzog Fever, Herzog Fever, however you want to pronounce his name. Where me and uh, 
Morgan of uh, the Emoji Drone podcast and Borat Club podcast. Uh, oh I'm God. watching all of Werner Herzog's movies. Um, we have been having a mixed time with the two episodes we recorded so far. I see. God, um, that's that's. I'm also excited for this. Um, I'm. Am I doing anything? Well, I guess I'm technically producing an audio drama, but that's not a thing. Oh, that's yet. exciting. Uh-huh. I have no information. Um, <laughs> and, oh, I guess uh, the uh, most wanted podcast ever episode of Never Believe It did come out, so go check that out. We talk about Critical Role. <laughs> <laughs> because that is the statistically most desired podcast in the world. I, um, have all, I sometimes wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like... Ah! I want a podcast where people talk about Critical Role. Just a whole genre of podcast people discussing Critical Role. Yeah. Well, we, we, we did the most wanted one, so now no one has to actually do it, because we already did that. <sighs> Alright, gamers. Um, we are marching on to our final, or I guess semi-final episode, since we yeah. will do final at book. least one more after this, but our final book that we will be covering on our way, so I will take the hybrid. And I'll take the line. And I'm a time.